Good morning. Today's Daf in Gittin Samech Ches. We started the seventh parak of the Masechta yesterday. We're going to continue where we left off. We're going to begin with the words Amr Leireish Gelusa. The Rav Sheshus effectively today. We're going to be learning two stories. One, one during the Tkufa of the Amaraim, and one going well back to the Tkufa of Shlomo Hamelach. Okay, uh, perhaps today in Nagarata, there's going to be one of the most famous stories that are told. Uh, we're going to go through a good part of the story. We're not going to finish the story today. We'll finish it tomorrow. Uh, but meanwhile, that's uh, that's what's on cue, what's on tap today on uh, Samech Ches. Before we start with the Gemara, let me just reiterate and recap. As uh, David pointed out, I made a, a big deal about it yesterday. I'm going to make a little bit deal about it today, but still, I'm going to make a I'm going to make some deal about it. And that is what we're about to do. In other words, well, today really we're going to be doing a Gadata. So today, you know, in other words, I don't have to give any warning. I don't have to give any, you know. <laughs> Any, any, any signposts in terms of what's, what's coming up ahead, and here's what to do, and here's what not to do, but uh, we started the seventh parak of the Masechta, and uh, the seventh parak of Gittin, so famously, and we saw some of it yesterday, we're going to see more of it tomorrow, uh, it has a lot of refuas, it has a lot of medical advice. Uh, the Mishnah, it's coming off of a mission. the first mission, the seventh parak, which we saw yesterday, is that you were Ochez Kardaikas, so you had some sort of ailment. And uh, so what exactly is Kardaikis? I don't know, but as David also pointed out to me yesterday, it obviously shares the same Greek etymology as the word cardiac. So, but in other words, that's pretty much where the similarities end, meaning same root, but in other words, from the Gemara's perspective, so you're being afflicted with some sort of ailment, some sort of illness. Uh, the Gemara's clear understanding is, is that you're possessed. It's demonic possession. So already I know that's strange. In other words, for us, you know, quote-unquote rational thinkers out there. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit difficult to hear, but... The, uh, but meanwhile, okay, good. So Bismana Gemara and Bismana Mishnah. So this was normal. This is how they. This is how they. The, this is how they saw the world. It was normal. Okay. And so, uh, but meanwhile, the Mishach uh, Zukadikus. So what happens is that while you are sick, that you're mentally unhealthy, and you go ahead and you make instructions towards the writing of a get. So the basic point that we learned in the Mishnah yesterday is that obviously you are not in a good state of mind. You are not in your right state of mind, and therefore all your instructions are to be ignored. That's what we learned yesterday in the Mishnah. From the Mishnah, then going forward, what we uh, the Gemara treated us to a lot of medical advice. I said this yesterday. I'm going to reiterate again, I'm, but I'm not going to say it. In other words, I'm going to quote, and that is Rabbi Kiva Eger writes clearly. It's in the beginning of of Hilchot uh, Biker Cholim. The um, so uh, there's a a simon over there regarding Rafuz. Anyway, so the uh, so the Rabbi Kiva Eger writes and uh, he quotes. He quotes others as well, but he says in the strongest of terms, and that is, is that any medical advice given by the Gemara, do not try. Meaning it's not, it's not, it's not the Pshad, I don't advise it. He literally writes, do not try it. In other words, it's not for us to try. In other words, these, the, the, these medical advices simply do not work. Now, it could be a host of reasons why it doesn't work. It could be that Nishtanu uh, Ateva, in other words, the nature has changed, which, which is certainly possible. It could be that we don't even know what some of the things that the Gemara is describing is. In other words, our, our, our loss of definition of what these things are. For whatever the reason is, it doesn't matter. The Rebbe Kivega writes that you should not try any of the things and a cherem. In other words, like, uh, like really like strong, strong words in terms of not using any of the remedies used in the Gemara. So I, I'll, say, I'll probably say it again tomorrow and when we actually go back to discuss more medical advice given by the Gemara. Anyway, but... What's the larger point that we should walk away from? I'm not sure if I said this yesterday, but meanwhile, I'm more than ready to say it again today. And that is, is that, you know why the Gemara is spending so much time with medical advice? Because we've got to take care of ourselves. <coughs> Meaning that there is a mitzvah in the Torah that we have to, we have to make sure that we take good care of ourselves. Uh, our body's given to us for a limited amount of time. 
But we have to take care of ourselves. So obviously, if the Gemara is dedicating precious real estate towards uh, towards how we should improve ourselves and various remedies that did work back in the day, so that means that, in other words, it's valuable. The actual information itself may not be valuable. In other words, those remedies no longer work, but the idea that we should be looking for remedies and we should be taking care of ourselves, so that is definitely a walk a takeaway point from all these Gemaras. That's a larger point. I don't, I don't think I made that point yesterday. But anyway, that's a larger point and that's a really good one. And I, and I hope I get to listen to my very own message. But but in other words, but 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 that's certainly one of the things that we should be walking away from. Okay, with that stated, so today we're going to be treated to the first story I don't think is, you know, is that is that famous, but we're obviously going to go through it. And the uh, the second story today is by far and away one of the most famous pieces of Agatha. Um, I, you'll hear me say this at the beginning of the uh, of the front end, and that is, don't look to me to 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 help understand like like what's happening, what's going on over here, like some some of the takeaway points. But but it's all it's all part and parcel of Torah, meaning that despite the fact that we're going to be today sitting in Agatha, every word of the Gemara that we're learning is a chelik of Torah. We're going to get credited for limit of Torah for every word that we do, even though it's Agadita, and even though it's you know it's not going to be like a, you know a halachic discourse and and and, and lamdus and it won't be any of that. But still, it's all a chelik of Torah. Okay, now with all that stated, that was a lot of introduction. Okay, let's go. Amar le Reish Galusa le Rav Sheshes. My time alongside Mar Gaban. So Reish Galusa turns to Rav Sheshes. Now remember the Reish Galusa position. Sometimes occupied by Tamachachim, sometimes not. Yesh v'yesh. And he's turning to Rav Sheshis, and he says to Rav Sheshis, no, right, I'm the head of the, uh, of the Jews out here in Babel. And, and, and Rav Sheshis is a Rosh Yeshiva. And meanwhile, you're not eating by me. Is there a reason why you're not eating by me? So, so Rav Sheshis says to Rosh Galusa, yeah, it's the Hashkacha. It's the Hashkacha, right? In other words, you know, I, I keep kosher, Rav Sheshis says to the Rosh Galusa, and, and, and you and, and, and your people, yeah, right, you're not so good with the kosher thing. In fact, he says, Avram and Achai, meaning, uh, you know, I hate to break it to you, but the people in your kitchen, so uh, they're, 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 they're preparing Avram and Achai. Okay. Now, Avram and Achai, by the way, that is a serious accusation that Rav Sheshis is making. Avram and Achai, not only is usher to Jew, it's usher to non-Jew as well. It's one of the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach. So it's a it's an unbelievable accusation. So Amrle Miyamar. So um so Reishakish sorry. Reishkalusa says to Rashesh Miyamar, like who told you? Meaning that that that's a that's a serious accusation. So Amrle Hashemachmin Allah. So so Rashesh says to the Reishkalusa, it's, it's I'm gonna show you. Mind you, by the way, uh, it, it'll be it, it'll be evident in the story, but I just want to remind everyone now, uh Rashesh was blind. Uh, but, and, and it's funny, by the way, because, you know, part and parcel of the conversation over here is that Reish Galusa is saying to Rosh this is not actually recorded, but in other words, I, I hear the undertones of like, how could you possibly know? Meaning you, you can't even see. And you're telling me what my, what my kitchen staff is doing? So, so, uh, so Rosh says, the, uh, uh, I'm going to show you. So, I'm Shame So, um, so now, Roshesha says to Ashamish, uh, so what you're going to do is Ganov. Now, Ganov literally means to steal, but not in this context. In this context over here, as Rashi explains, it means go, go and hide yourself. And And what I want you to do is, is that, in other words, uh, the go, go and bring me uh, one of the legs. Obviously, they were shechting an animal for dinner that night. 
Animals got four legs. Okay. <laughs> Everyone seems to know. And, and so, and so what Rav Shesha says is go take me, go, go, go get me one of the legs. Steal one of the legs from me. So I said, like, good. So, so the Shamash got Rav Shesha's one of the legs. So, um, now, Rav Shesha says to the, uh, to the servants of the Reish Galusa, so new, prepare for me, uh, prepare for me an animal. In other words, okay. In other words, let's we're going to eat tonight. This is Rav Shesha showing Reish Galusa that his kitchen staff is mamish serving Abraham and Achai. So I said Tzalas Kare. Now, uh, when they went to prepare uh, dinner for that night, so they got the animal, but of course they could only find three legs because Rav Shesha's shamish stole the fourth leg. So Osve Kame Havai. So now. Uh, when they bring out the animal with the three legs of the animal, right? The, the, the animals are all cut up already, but still they only have three legs. So Shesha says, well, that's weird. Where's the fourth leg of the animal? Animal only had three legs. So So now, uh, what, uh, so what the kitchen staff did is they, they quickly ran out to the back, took a live animal, cut off one of the legs of the live animal, and brought it, here's the fourth leg. So So now Roshesha turns to Hashemish and says, No? Okay, now 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 bring me bring me what you stole. And so now what he brings out is now the actual fourth leg, puts it alongside the four legs, and Osva, So he says, Oh, that's so funny now. Now the animal's got five legs. And obviously Roshesha was making a point of the Rash Galusa. I keep right here. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm good. Rav Shesha says to the to the uh, to the Reish Galusa. Okay, I, I, hopefully I made my case already. Meaning, how did they manufacture that leg? That leg did not come from the original animal. They manufactured that fifth leg by cutting it off of another animal in the back. Okay, good. Anyway, Rav Shesha made his point. He he was right. So Okay, so um, fine. So the Reish Galusa says to Rav Shesha, "Your point is very well taken. My hashkach is not that good." <laughs> an understatement so my hashkach is not that good okay so I'll tell you what you're still going to eat by me but what you'll do is you'll bring your mashkichim into the kitchen okay in other words fine in other words you're st- in other words I still want you to be my guest but you'll bring your mashkichim into my kitchen okay now a parenthetical no by the way the kitchen needs to go through a kashring process but okay we don't we don't need that part of the story right now but I, let's, let's of course assume that obviously the, the kitchen was turned over so, and you'll eat by me. So, says, fine, fine. So, so, they brought the, the plate in front of them. Taka really is not a plate, by the way. You're right? Uh, the, uh, for those of you who learned Tarvi Psachim, so you know that Taka is like a mini table, right? In other words, back in the day when they used to eat, so they didn't have this large table that we have nowadays. That was not, not the minute. The minute was everyone had their own little table. And uh, so, fine. Anyway, so they, they, they but I'll, I'm going to call it a plate, but whatever. So, Karivataka come out, so they brought the plate in front of him. Vaisu Kame Bisra, and they brought meat in front of Rav Shesha, so Osve Kame, and Ristana Dechanka Chamta. And on top of that, also, they uh, they put like a little bone. Uh, what they wanted Rav Shesha to do is choke on that bone. Uh, in other words, you can imagine, by the way, that the kitchen staff of, Rav Sh- uh, of the Reish Galusa is not so happy with Rav Sheshis. Uh, understandably. He called them out. He was right. Anyway, so, so, Gashashay. Uh, but what, what, what Rav Sheshis was able to do was be Goshesh. Goshesh, 
he felt it. In other words, remember, Sheshus couldn't see, so they thought that they can get over on him by putting a little bone on his plate, and he'll eat, he'll, he'll eat the bone, he'll choke on the bone. That's what they were hoping. Uh, meanwhile, Rav Sheshus was able to feel his way through the plate, and Vishakle uh, and so what he did very subtly is that he took it and he wrapped it up in a, in a handkerchief. Labasa uh, da'achil, and afterwards, they, after they ate, so amrulay ignivli kasa de kaspa. So now, after they finished eating, so the um, so they what they wanted to do is they really wanted to find out like what did Rav Shesh, what was what did Rav Shesh wrap, wrap up in that napkin? They didn't see, so they they made a false accusation. They said, you know what? Someone stole kasa de kaspa uh, like a silver cup, right? Reminiscent, by the way, of of Yosef and Binyamin. Anyway, so what they did is now now they did an inspection, and Ashkechud the Kurucha Basudrei, and what they found then the words they basically went through everybody's stuff. It was just a it was just a trumped up charge to be able to go through everything everybody's stuff, and what did they find? They found up a wrapped a wrapped up napkin. So now they accused him of you know what he didn't even eat. In other words, Rosh Hashanah just came here to make trouble. He, he wasn't, he didn't even come here to eat as they found some food in this, uh, in this wrapped up napkin. So, so he says, uh, he says, Rosh Hashanah says to the, to the kitchen staff, you're, you're wrong. I ate. In fact, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the following. And that is, is that, you know, the animal that you served, it may have been kosher, but it wasn't kosher. Meaning, uh, it was a diseased animal. Uh, so, in other words, fine. I, I'm telling you right now that I'm, there, there's something wrong with that animal that you served us. I tasted it immediately. So, I'm sorry. Uh, I want to go back. I just want to explain a little bit better. So, chivara, I call diseased animal. Uh, Rashi says that the animal had shechin on it. Okay? That's what I tasted. So, I'm relay, so the, uh, so the kitchen staff said to Rav Sheshis, what are you talking about? In other words, uh, we, we, the animals that we shechted for tonight's dinner, none of them had any disease on it, or shechin or whatever, whatever it was. So, so the so Rav Sheshitz did have a test, and and it's kind of hard to it's difficult for me to really explain to you what the test looked like. But basically, if it was white on black or black on white, I'm not really sure how the litmus test actually worked. But whatever the case is, Rav Sheshitz knew how to test the animal and with it, with it, with this discoloration. So it actually uh, was a it was a positive test to indicate whether or not lakusa the animal was really afflicted and baduk, and they did the test in Nashkechu, and Rav Sheshitz was absolutely right. Okay. So now the kitchen staff was embarrassed not once but twice over by Rav Sheshis. First time Rav Sheshis has demonstrated clearly that they have no problem serving Avram and Achai. Second time now Rav Sheshis has demonstrated clearly that they're not checking the health of the animal. Right? In other words, they, they failed the health inspection. And so now, uh, so you can imagine now the kitchen staff uh, really wants just nothing more than just get rid of Rav Sheshis. Okay, so... So now as Rav Sheshis is leaving, so what they do is they dig a hole in the ground, right, on his pathway in which he's going to walk. Uh, they put a machetels, they put some, some mats over it. Now as far as Rav Sheshis is concerned, he himself can't see, but obviously he was aided and guided by others. 
So in other words, the man, I guess, was for them. So, Amr Le Leisimar Leinach. And uh, what they said is that uh, what he should do is he should basically fall into the pit. Hopefully he dies. So, uh, Now, as they're walking out, so Rav Chista's trailing Rav Sheshes, and Rav Chista basically snorts at Rav Sheshes, right? A, a coded message basically from Rav Chista to Rav Sheshes troubles the head. In other words, don't walk, don't walk any further. So, uh, but all that through a snort. So, So now, Rav Chista says, ooh, that was a message. Let me get a second message. <laughs> a second opinion, if you will. So now Rav Sheshis turns to a child and says, no, let me hear a pasuk. So now he quotes a pasuk from Shmuel Beis. Oh, the, 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 the Navi over there deals with Asael and Avner Benair. And anyway, troubles are brewing. See, see the pasukim over there. If you'll, if you'll allow me, I'm not going to give you all the background over there anyway. So, put your hand to your right or to your left. And, 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 uh, the, um, in other words, uh, you, you better make sure, get, re- get ready to arm yourself, right? Cause, cause troubles are coming. So, now, Rav Sheshis now is walking in. He got snored in the back by Rav Chista. He got a pasta quoted to him, so basically alerting him to trouble. So that's now two signs that some, something's wrong. So, and now he turns to a shamish and says, new, what do you see up ahead? And remember, Rav Sheshis can't see. So, I'm relate to a piece of dishaja. So, uh, so he says, look, there's a mat ahead of us. We're about to walk on a mat. So, I'm relay, how do we know? So, Rosh says, okay, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to turn me around right now. We're not walking forward. We're walking backwards. So, Labasa did not fuck. So, now, Rosh averted the threat. So, I'm relay, So, now, Rosh said to Rosh well, how did you know? So, now, I'm a little bit confused right now because... One of the ways that Rav Sheshis knew is that Rav Chisla snorted to him. So, like, in other words, <laughs> how come Rav Chisla now is asking Rav Sheshis, well, how did you know? Wasn't Rav Chisla the one who was actually trying to signal to Rav Sheshis? Okay, so I admit I'm a little bit confused, but regardless. So, I'm a lay, so Rav Sheshis says to Rav Chisla, Chada denachlimar. So, number one, you snorted at me. Okay. So, va'od, the pasuk le'yinuka psukach, and also I got that pasuk, remember, that was number two. Va'od, the chashina abde delamalu. And also, look, I know the staff over here, they're not the nicest of people. <laughs> so I got, I got three good signs, right? Uh, the, the three strike rule. So I got three good signs that, that indicated, uh, that, um, that, uh, that, uh, that some, something was wrong. Okay, and, and again, by the way, I'm just also a little bit confused because if Rav Chista thought that Rav Sheshus was really in trouble, so why did Rav Chista just limit it to a snort? <laughs> like, why didn't Rav Chista just simply turn to Rav Shisha and say, hey, don't walk any further. That's a real sakana. You're going to fall into a pit if you keep walking. Okay, so that, that, that part of the story, again, if I were there and I understood a little bit more contextually how, how things worked over there, I'm sure I'd understand better. Anyway, Adkan, that takes us to the end of story number one for today. Um, okay. And now uh, we are going to begin story number two. Story number two is going to begin with a bit of an introduction. Uh, we're going to go over now for the remainder of today's daf, uh, perhaps one of the most famous stories that are told in, in Agadita, in the Gemara. It's going to be the story of Shlomo Amalek and him obtaining the Shamir worm. Okay, if you've never heard about the Shamir worm before, so uh, get in Samaches, today's daf. Today's daf is the daf that is dedicated to the topic of uh, the obtaining of the Shamir worm. We'll talk more about the worm a little bit later on, probably more in tomorrow's daf. We'll talk more about it 
Although, quite frankly, Tosos does discuss it over here in terms of whether it was used in Bayes Rishon and Bayes Sheni. Clearly, it was used in Bayes Rishon. Shlomo Amelch built Bayes Rishon. So clearly, it was used there. Was it used again? See, see Tosos over here, second Tosos in our Amud for that discussion. What is it? So it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic animal, right? I'm going to call it a worm, but okay, not exactly sure. Uh, but it's a fantastic animal that's used to cut rock, uh, to cut stone. In other words, the Torah does not want us using metal to cut in order to building the base of Mikdash, right? The, uh, using metal is, metal is a, is for weaponry, and the base of Mikdash is for Shalom, and you can't take something which is a weapon and use it to make something which is made for Shalom. Okay, uh, totally appropriate, by the way, as we are now in Shul Shechabo over Chorim Beis Mikdash. Absolutely, just timing-wise, it's perfect. Anyway, so uh, so how do you cut how do you cut stone if you can't use metal? So that is a great question. So one of the answers to the question is that so you get you get a hold of this fantastic animal that's able to cut. So that's the shamir, and that's what we're going to be describing and discussing. And how does Shlomo get it? So it is a memorable story to say the very least. So uh, first we start with the pasuk in Kohelas Asisilo Sharim Visharos Visanugos Bnei Adam Shita Vishidos. The Pesach in, in, in Kohalas is describing uh, where Shlomo Melch amassed. And what did he amass? So in the beginning of the Pesach, it, do, it goes on to describe how he amassed uh, silver and gold. So we know those things as commodities. Uh, that, that we don't need much uh, much elaboration. But also what he amassed is Sharim Visharos and Shida Vishidos. Okay, what are they? So that's what we're about to see together. So Sharim Visharos, Elamine Zemer... So, uh, so, Sharim Visharos, instruments to make music. Okay, good. And those things in which we pleasure ourselves in. So that is basically, uh, uh, uh pools and, and, and spas. And, and Shidavishidos Hachatagimu. Now, we get to the end of the Pasuk in Kohalas. This is the second paragraph of Kohalas. So, uh, the, uh, so we get to the end of that Pasuk. And what else did Shlomo HaMelch amass? Shida vishidos. What is that? It depends where, where, where you're living. If you're in Babel, Hachetargimnu, Shida vishidasin. So what did Shlomo Melcham ask for himself? Demons. Male demons, female demons. Sure. And Bemarava Amre, Shida Sa. And in, in Eretz saw they gave a different shot in the Pasuk and Kohalas, and that is an Agala wagons. Okay. Uh, wagons that are used for transport. Okay. So, um, depending on where you lived, either in Babylon or Eretz so that informed you in terms of how to say pshat in that pasuk in Kohelas. Amrav Yochan Shosh Meyaz Minei Shedim Hayu B'Shichin V'Sheda Atzma In Yodeh Mahi. So, um, so the uh, but Rav Yochanan admits, like I, I've, I've never seen one. Okay. Just by interest, in other words, Rav Yochanan, who lives in Eretz Yisrael, in Eretz Yisrael, they they made sure not to say the pshat in the pasuk in Kohelas that was talking about demons, and then immediately followed by the Gemara telling us that Rav Yochanan knows a place where there are three hundred demons over there, not knowing exactly what they look like. Even okay, I'm, whatever. I'm a little bit confused as to the how the Gemara just put this immediately after. You know, in Eretz Yisrael, they don't say demons. You know, there was they say that it's wagons. Okay, anyway. So Amar Marhacha Targimu Sheda Vishidasa Sheda Vishidisa Lamai Ibaile. Okay, so let's work with the Pshad that's given in Bavel on the Pasuk and Kohalas that was Shlomo Hamelachamast was 
demons. Why? That's the Gemara's question. What is he doing amassing demons? So, uh, so the Gemara now launches into the story. So here we, here we begin. So the Pasuk in Malachim, this is Malachim Aleph Perik Vav, the description of the building of the base of Mikdash. So he needs stones. So So what do I do? In other words, how in the world am I going to quarry these stones? How do I cut stone? And I'm handcuffed by the, by the idea that I can't use metal. So So they said, okay, so new, get this animal. So it was built already from Sheshus Mebrashis. It's called the Shamir, in Aramaic Shamira. And uh, what you're going to do is you're going to get it. So the, um, okay. So uh, the Rambam, right, in his Parish of Mishnah, in other words, you're going to find the, uh, you're going to find this uh, Shamir mentioned in the Mishnah Perkyavos. Right? In the fifth parakel, Pergavos. So, uh, it talks about those things that were created, right? Things that are, quote unquote, fantastic. Right? That are, uh, that are supernatural. Right? Uh, for example, the, the, the pit that swallowed up Korach Vadaso. And for example, the mouth of Bilam, the mouth of the donkey of Bilam. Right? So all those things that were created, Benashmashos, the mice abracious. So including that also in that list is the Shamir. And you can look at the Rambam over there in his parish of Mishnayos, and he gives a description. Now it's a right. You talk about a built-in tension, by the way. The Rambam, who's a super rationalist, and and and, and you know, and right has you know, and, and struggles with anything that goes above, you know, what you and I would call teva. So anyway, so how does how does he handle all these things? Fair fair question. But meanwhile, okay. Anyway, I'm going to go on. I, I'm looking at the time. Let's let's go on. So the uh, say Moshe Lavneafo. Now, as far as Moshe was concerned, Moshe used it himself. In other words, Moshe needed to cut stones for the uh, for the aphod, right? Granted, Moshe, by the way, didn't need it for the um, for the for the mishkan, right? In other words, the mishkan was not made out of stones. The mishkan was made out of wood. I, th- I think it's still fair to ask. Meaning, don't you have to cut the wood anyway? But but Moshe still needed stones. In other words, he needed stones for the aphod, and so for that, he used the shamir wood. So Amalu So Shlomo says, "Great, great." So wh- where do I get this? Uh, where do I get this uh, shamir? So Amrle, I see Shida Vishidasa and, and Kavshino Adadi. So he says, look, we don't we're not gonna be able to give you that information. Uh, but go get the demons. Go get a male demon, go get a female demon, and, and put some pressure on them. They're gonna tell you where to find the, the Shamir. I saw Shida Vishidasa, Kavshino Adadi. So he go ahead he went ahead and captured for himself the uh, the demon, male demon, female demon, put some pressure on them, and uh Okay, so this is going to be a real adventure. So they say, look, we don't know, but go to Ashmadai. What's Ashmadai? Malka Desheda, the king of demons. And uh, he's going to tell you where it is. So, okay, good. Now, that's great. Where, where do I find Ashmadai? So, uh, so Amrile, Aisa Batur Plon. So, you're going to go to the mountain, right? That mountain, right? Tura Ploni. And Karyale Biro, Mayale Maya. So, what he did for himself over there, Ashmadai. Is that he dig for himself a pit and he filled it with water, bitinra, and and he covered it with um, um, the uh, he covered it with a, with a um, with a stone, and chasme begushpanke, and what he did is is that he put a seal on top of it so that nobody tampered with it. In other words, he wanted to make sure that that water was was clean water. And nobody tampered with the water. Ashmadai every day would go up and learn Yeshiva Shamala. And then afterwards he would come down 
and then and he would learn in the yeshiva shamata. He would check and do an inspection on his, on, on, on the on the gushpanka on the seal of, on, on his water. Maglele, then he would then he would open up his water vishasi. He would drink umachzele, and then he would cover it vechasim levazal, and then would reseal it again. So shadre lebanayo ben yoyada. So Shlomah says, okay, turns to his general, and he says, okay, a small job, not not so not so difficult. What you're going to do is you're going to capture Ashmedai for me. You're right. You got that. So I'll give you what you need. So here's what you're going to need. You're going to need a chain, and the chain's got Shem Hashem written on it. Also, I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you rings, basically handcuffs, and uh, that also is going to have Shem Hashem written on them. I'm going to give you some wool and zika dechamre. I'm going to give you wine and also kara So here's what you're going to do. Or here's what he did. Okay, in other words, apparently, either Shalom al told them the plan, Benayo figured out the plan, whatever the case was. Azol, he went, Kara So what he did is that, first of all, he dug a hole underneath the well of Ashmadai, draining all the water. Vishafchinu Lamaya, Vishafinu Lamaya, all the water got drained out. Vishasminu Begaveh Amra. Now he plugged up that hole with wool. Now Vikara Birami Eli. Now what he did is he dug another hole over the well and Shafchinu Lachamra Vitaminu. And now what he did is he filled up that well with wine and then he went to hit himself. Okay. So now, without tampering the seal, so what this Benayao did is replace the water with wine. Okay, good. Salak Yasa bi Ilan, and now what he did is that he hid up in a tree and Kiyasa started Lagushpanka. So now what uh, Ashmadai did is he checked the seal and seal was good. Galia, he opened up the lid. But he saw that the wine is no longer, sorry. He saw that the water was no longer water, but rather it was wine. That's strange. Now on one hand, the seal wasn't tampered with. On the other hand, I'm pretty sure it was water there, not wine. Hmm. And drinking wine, well, that's not good. He quotes a couple of psukim. First, he quotes the Pasuk and Mishle. And remember, he's learning not in one, but two different yeshivas. The yeshiva Shomala and the yeshiva Shomata. He's holding in the psukim. So, the Pasuk in Mishle. Okay, please don't share this with your brother, these psukim, okay? They're, he's not going to like this. So, anyway, so, so, so foolish people are going to be drink, drinking wine and the choshoge bolo yechkam. And you're, if you're involved in the drinking wine, you're not going to get smart. You're not going to get wise. That's one. Another pasuk, this is the Hosea, znus v'yayin v'sirosh yikach lev. Okay, so if you get involved in znus and drinking wine, so yikach lev, it's going to take your heart. Meaning, you won't be able to think and, 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 uh, it's, it's not good. So, lo ishte. So now Ashmadai realizes that, look, obviously there's a temptation to drink wine, but, Right, um, he spent a little bit of time learning Musser, and uh, right, took him over here for his Musser, but I'm not going to drink the wine. However, Kitzache, Lo Sagule. But then he got really thirsty. In other words, okay, thirst overcame him. And there was no other source for him to drink? I guess not. Anyway, so he succumbed, and he drank the wine. Ishte Rava Vigana. So he drank, and then he got drunk, and he fell asleep. Okay, so now... While totally asleep, drunk. So, and so Benayahu comes running down and he chains Ashmadai up. 
And now when Ashmedai wakes up and he sobers up, so now he is screaming and shaking. So Amalei Babanayahu says, There's nothing you could do right now. You're not going to be able to break free of these chains. The chains have Shem Hashem on them. So the uh, so now he takes him and he brings him to Shlomo Amalek. So, Benayahu, talk about a scene. Talk about now the uh, what a picture we're painting here in the Dafyomi of, of Benayahu now leading Ashmadai in chains with Shem Hashem written on the chains and bringing him back to Shlomo Amalek. All for the purposes of, tell me where the Shamir is. So, Matadikla Chafbe Shajay. Okay, so a couple things happened on the way to Shlomo Amalek. Number one, they passed by a tree. And he rubbed up against the tree. This is Ashmedai rubbing up against the tree. And the tree falls down. Ashmedai is super powerful, even while chained. Matla Besa Shajay passes by a house, rubs it up against the house, and the house now is going to fall down. Mata Gabe Kuva Dai Armalasa. Now he gets to a really small house that happened to have been owned by a widow. And Nafka, the widow, comes running out of her house. She, at that point in time, knows what's going to happen if Ashmedai rubs up against her house. As we turn now to the Amud Beis, Ichanana lay. She supplicates. She begs Ashmadai, please do not knock my house down. So Kavla Kumte Mine. So what does he what does Ashmadai do? He contorts his body so that he won't hit the house. And Itbar Begamra breaking one of his bones. Amar Hainu Tishaber Garem. And so now Ashmadai says, oh, now I know Pshat and the Pasuk in Mishlei. And that is, is that a, a, a soft language is going to be able to break a bone. Okay. Happens to be that with him, literally, but you understand, right? The, the simple Pshat and the Pasuk is that, in other words, sometimes when you, sp- you speak softly, so, you know, you can, it's, a, it's a, right, you can accomplish more. Huh? So Chaza Samia Davikatai Borcha. More, more, more mini chapters over here as Ashmedai is being taken to uh, to Shlomo Amalek. He sees a blind man. So Askel Orchei Ashmedai helped him home. Chaz Yeravia. He saw a man who was drunk. Davikatai Borcha, who just couldn't couldn't find his way, couldn't walk a straight line because he was so drunk. Askel Orchei. And Ashmedai helped him as long, uh, helped him as uh, as well. Chaza chadvasa davekamatchila. So uh, they passed by a chasna and bacha. Ashmedai was crying. All this will be explained just a few moments from now. And then here's a guy who's purchasing a shoe, and he says, "Look, I need a really good shoe. I need the shoe to last me for seven years." And it achich. When Ashmanai heard this, uh, he got a good belly laugh. He thought that was the funniest thing he heard. Chazo kasamadav kasim, and now they pass by. Uh, what, what, what's it called? The fortune teller, and 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 this also provided Ashmanai a tremendous laugh. He thought that was the funniest thing he saw. Again, we're going to explain all this in just a moment. Kimatalahasam. So he gets there. Okay. So all those things that happen en route to Shlomo Melech. Right, uh, hold, hold them all in your head. We're putting them on the back burner. We'll come back to them in just a moment. Kimat al now, Ashmadai gets to Shlomo HaMelech. So, lo alu l'gabay Shlomo atal z'yomai. So, Shlomo HaMelech doesn't see Ashmadai for three days. Makes Ashmadai wait. 
on purpose, obviously. So So now in day number one, Sashmadai demands, like, what's what's going on over here? How come the king is not coming and seeing me? So So they make up a story. They say, you know, uh, he's sobering up from drinking. So Ashmadai now takes a, a brick and puts it on top of another brick. Oh. A coded message that he's sending to the king. Also, so they, they tell him, here's what, here's what he did. So he was just sending you a coded message. And that is, is that, you know what you, you know what you're doing when you're sobering up? Have another drink. Okay. Now, uh, is that, okay, uh, right, for, for us, the listener of this coded and decoded message, Ashmadai was giving him beneficial advice, harmful advice, not clear. Not clear to me. Lemacha, the next day, now this is day number two. So, again, Ashmadai is complaining. No? You brought me here to see the king. No, where's the king? So, Michla. So, uh, in other words, so they say to me, you know, he ate too much. He's just too tired. Okay. So, So once again, Ashmadai now gives a coded message over to the king, takes the brick, the second brick, and takes it off of the first brick and puts, puts it down on the ground. Huh. Coded message. So they told Shlomo, this is what he did. And Ashmadai was sending a message, and that is, stop eating. Obviously, there's much more over here going on. Aside, aside from the the Gemara over here is levels and levels and levels of understanding. But just I'm I'm on the I'm on the first level. I'm not even there. I'm scratching the surface, and that's all I'm doing. But over here, though, in other words, stop eating. That's the that's the chachma. Okay. So the um, anyway, the So now at the end of three days, finally, now Ashmanai gets to see the king. Um, Ashmadai took a, took a reed, measured it four amas, and threw it in front of Shlomo Amalek. Amalek and Ashmadai says to the king, You know that when you die, that's all you're going to be occupying is just these four amas. Right? The length of the average human being. Um, Tosos, not here. Not here. Uh, Tosos in a number of places in Shas it tries to deal with the discrepancy in terms of the average height of a person. Uh, a number of Gemaras indicate that the average height of a person is three Amas. And we have other Gemaras, like our Gemara right over here that says that the average height of a person is four Amas. In other words, when Ashmanai is basically saying, here's your here's your, your burial plot, four Amas in length, it certainly sounds like the average height is four Amas. Tosos tries to reconcile what is the average height. Um, okay, anyway, I, I Whatever. I remember the discussion. I happen not to remember where to find the Tosos, but meanwhile, he has that discussion in a number of places in Shas. Anyway, I, I think one of his proposed answers, I don't think this I remember clearly, one of his proposed answers is that the three amma measurement goes up to the shoulder, the four amma measurement includes the head. Okay, that's one, that's one solution. Anyway, and, and obviously Ashmanai is in other words, you, you understand that was that was a direct threat to Shlomo Melch. I mean, basically, like if I, given the chance, I'm, I'm going to kill you. And on top of that, he's also like he's annoyed. Meaning Shlomo Melch, you conquered the whole world, and, and you also have to conquer me as well. 
Like, can't you just leave me, let me be? So, uh, right, uh, so, 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 relax. Like, in other words, I don't, I don't want anything to, I don't want you. In other words, I don't want to conquer you. All I want is information. In other words, I need to find the Shamir and, and I know you're going to be able to help me locate it. And that's all I want right now. Okay. So, Amrlay, Lididi, Lamasali, Lissaradiyama, Masalay. So, the Shamir says, look, sorry, let me do that again, let me do it correctly. Ashmadai says, look, I don't have it, I, here's what I could tell you. I could tell you that it was given over to the Sarashoyam, right, the, the ministering Malach uh, overseeing the seas. He was the one entrusted with, uh, with watching the Shamir. He then deputized a what the Gemara describes over here as a Tarnagola Bara, literally translated a wild bird. Okay, in a moment, by the way, we're going to see it's a Duchifas, but we'll come back to that moment. And uh, and and what the and and the and the Duchifas, this wild bird, swore to the Sarashalyam that he will be watching the Shamir, and, and, and no one's going to take the Shamir. Okay, Avid Bay. So and so now what what does this bird do with the shamir? Oh, I'll tell you what he does. So what he does is this is Ashmadai explaining. So the wild bird takes the shamir, goes over to a mountain, uninhabited, and puts the bird on the very top of the mountain, and again, no, sorry, takes the worm and puts it on the top of the mountain, and you know what the worm does? He bores through mountains. In other words, that's what he does. And now in doing so, basically he's going to be creating this huge ravine in the mountain and it, it'll be a fertile area. You've got all that water coming down from the mountains. It'll be a fertile area and uh, growth, vegetation and growth. And now, over here, here's how it's going to help us all. We're going to go to Parsha Shemini. We're going to go to Parakut Aleph and Vayikra. And this is Pasuk Yotas. And it says over there, Duchifas. And look over there at the Targum on Duchifas. What are you going to find? The words Nagartura. And Nagartura, okay, in other words, now we understand. In other words, basically, somebody who's able to bore a hole through the mountains. Okay. And now, and now, now, now that we know the Agarata, now we understand Targum on that Pasuk in Parshashmini. Okay. For that alone. Anyway, so Kina Tatanagola Barad the Islay um I'm sorry, Badku. Uh Kina Tatanagola Barad the the Islay Bnei. So now they go and they try to hunt down this wild bird. This this Tarnagola Bara. And uh Bara, by the way, literally means outside, right? But it's usually a description of a wild bird. So the Islay Bnei and, and, and it turns out that they have he has a nest. Or she has a nest. And, um, ah. So they came up with a brilliant idea. And that is, is that they're going to put a clear glass over the nest of the bird. So now, as the wild bird now is coming down and bringing food in order to feed its, its, its chicks in the nest. So now what happens is, is that the glass is going to create a barrier so that he can't get to his, to, to his babies. He also by so he wanted to go but couldn't make it. In other words, Azal I see Shamir Ah, 
So now what happens is, is that he takes out the Shamir worm and puts it on the glass so that the Shamir can break through the glass. So now, so the Shamir is in a position where we can get it. But right now, the, the that wild bird is there. So what do we do? So the the servants of Shlom Alch made a, made a wild noise, made a loud noise. That's Rama Beikala. Shajay. And what happened was is that the Tarnagol dropped the Shamir. Shaklay. The uh, the emissaries of the king went and took the Shamir. But of course that means now that the bird uh, was um, irresponsible. And remember that it promised the Yam that it would watch uh, Shamir and made a Shavu in doing so. And now because of its irresponsible actions, now I say irresponsible, meaning right in the context which trying to feed its kids, use the Shamir in order to get to its kids so they can feed it. But still, in other words, swore that it was going to watch the bird and nothing was going to, ha- I'm sorry, swore that it was going to watch the worm, nothing was going to happen to the worm and, uh, right, what, 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 didn't do good on it and choked itself. Okay. Okay. And now we basically got to the end of the story in terms of Shlomo HaMelech going and obtaining the Shamir worm. Okay. Now that we're here, so there's a couple of epilogues to the story. Uh, let's just do a couple of them now. I don't want to fall behind. We're doing okay, but let's just do a little bit now and, and, and the rest I'll do tomorrow. Number one, So, we're going to go back now and we're going to revisit some of the details that occurred in the story. And we're going back to the march from uh, from uh, Ashmedai to Shlomo Melch. Where Benayahu led him to Shlomo Melch. So, Benayahu has a couple of follow-up questions. Number one. Why is it that when you saw the blind man who was walking on the way, you helped him? You helped him. So Well, when I saw him, I heard an announcement made in in in, in the yeshiva shamala that this man's a tzaddik. Anyone who helps him is going to get a chelik and olam haba. And Ashmedai says, of course, I would like a chelik and olam haba. That's number one. Number two. You saw that drunk person, and what did you do? You helped the drunk person home. So when I saw the drunk person, I heard another announcement made in Yeshiva Shamala. You see that drunk guy over there? Russia Gamor, absolutely a Russia. Oh, but in other words, but he's got he's got like a little bit of zechuyos. So when I go ahead and make his life a little bit easier, so that's a comfort that I just provide for him. Any zechus that he had now has been exhausted in that comfort that I gave him. Now, now he will have no olam haba whatsoever. Remember, we passed by the chasna. Remember how you were laughing over there. He says, because look, it happens to me that I know the future and I happen to know that tragedy is up ahead. What tragedy is coming up ahead? So in other words, I happen to know that the husband is going to die within 30 days of the chasna. And he does have a brother, but the brother is an infant. And, and this Yavama, Nebuch, Rachmanus, is going to have to wait 13 years for the Yavam to grow up. 
Okay, now remember we passed by the guy who wanted a shoe, a really good quality shoe lasting for seven years, and you thought that was the funniest thing you heard? So So he says, I happen to know that that guy's not going to live for another seven more days. And he's asking for a shoe for to last him for seven years, right? Morbid humor, but still, it's funny. The contrast, the contrast is funny. So my uh, And finally, we passed by the fortune teller, and again, you thought that was the funniest thing you've ever seen. So Amrleis Rashmadai says, "Yeah, it was funny. It was hilarious." And Ava Yosef Abe Gaza Damalka looks on my deika to say, "Happens to be that underneath this house, so there is a buried fortune." And meanwhile, people are coming in. Let me tell you, your fortune. I can. <laughs> I, I really, I really know what's going on beyond the beyond the apparent. If he's really that good at at, at, at uh, fortune telling, so what he should have what he should have fortune told is that uh, there was a treasure buried underneath this house. And so, but meanwhile, he couldn't even do that. What a, what a joke. Okay, and he thought that was funny. Okay, Tarche um, Gabe, let's, let's, let's pause over here. Okay, uh, Shlomo held on Ashmedai until the completion of the, of the building of the base of Mikdash, and that is going to be our pause, our pause point for tomorrow. Okay, so leaving, leaving ourselves some wonderful Agarita. Okay, tomorrow, more Agarita more coming up, more medical advice coming up in tomorrow's daf. Oh boy, a lot, a lot of exciting Gamaras. Okay, Adkan, we'll, we'll pause over here. Sikama uh, Gamar for today, very simple. Meaning we basically effectively went through two stories. Number one, story number one, Rav Shesh is in his visit to the house of the Reish Galusa, right? That was uh, one less famous Agarita. And the more famous Agarita that we did today was uh, the uh, obtaining of the Shamir worm by Shlomo HaMalach. Okay, Adkan.